Welcome to Boiling Point. The pangolin is one of its many victims. Illegal wildlife trafficking pushed this and many other animals close to extinction. But it's not just for the sake of the individual species. Wildlife trafficking is only one contributor to the sixth major extinction event, which is happening right now, right under our noses. It threatens the biodiversity of our planet and the survival of the human species. Too dramatic? Well, it's true. Listen to the story in just a moment. Welcome back to Boiling Point, the weekly science show on Eastside 89.7 FM. I'm your host, Kat, and my guest is Charlotte Reed. Charlotte has a degree in conservation and currently teaches children about wildlife and conservation at a zoo in Melbourne. Her interests in conservation are the human wildlife conflict and in particular illegal wildlife trade. Since she's based in Melbourne, welcome to the show, Charlotte. Thank you for having me. Charlotte, there's a lot of talk about the sixth major extinction event. Please tell us more about it. What is it actually and why is it the sixth? There's a lot of evidence um, suggesting that there is a possible sixth major extinction. It's commonly agreed among scientists from the Natural History Museum that the most recent extinction was the Cretaceous Paleogene causing the extinction of the dinosaurs and 76% of life on Earth at the time. Most mass extinctions are classified as um, the extinction of 75% at least of life becoming extinct um, in a short geographical time period. And the sixth major extinction, as it's publicly called, it supports the idea that we are currently experiencing a mass extinction known as the Holocene extinction. So what would you say are the three main threats to our environment and its wildlife that is causing the major extinction event, the sixth major extinction event? I would say that the three main threats um, causing the sixth major extinction would include the human urbanisation and deforestation, um, climate change and human waste, all of which are associated with human influence. Do you think it's actually really true that there is a sixth major extinction event happening? And if that's the case, and if it's, if it's such a big thing, why don't we hear more about it? The sixth major extinction has a lot of evidence supporting that it's a very current issue and it's happening at the moment. Um, and it does have almost as much evidence backing it up as climate change does. But sadly, it's not as well known. Um, it's known as the Holocene extinction in academic circles, and it's been researched since the start of species extinctions became recorded at about in about the 1970s. So it's been going on for about 50 years, but not many people know about it. And it's not, uh, it's more of an unknown issue. Um, and I think this could be potentially because of humans more focused on climate change, and that's understandable. Um, but both climate change and the sixth major extinction are linked. But just to, to get a better idea, and numbers always help to get a bit of a better image or better picture of, of a fact. Can you tell me what's the percentage of species we would lose, say, from now to 2100, which is in 80 years, 78 actually? 
from WWF's Living Planet report in 2020, we have actually lost 68% of life on Earth since 1970, and the number is sadly still growing. Um, and that's important to us because humans as a species, we need natural resources to survive, right? As do many other species on Earth. So the reason why I will delve into wildlife crime a bit later is because um, several studies, and it's commonly agreed in academia as well, have highlighted that wildlife crime is the second biggest threat to species loss after habitat loss. And biodiversity loss is directly related to the sixth major extinction. So referring to your question, by 2100, First of all, extinction rates are 100 or more times higher than the previous extinctions at the moment. And in worst case scenario, it's suggested that 27% of life on Earth will be extinct by 2100. And the reason why this is so significant is because in previous extinctions, um, the time frame, the geological time frame that was used to consider it a an extinction in a short period of time was 1.9 to 29 million years. And we are talking in a very, very small amount of time since the start that we recorded species extinction in about 1970, but extinctions related to human influence have been going on since the start of human evolution, um, which was about 100,000 years ago. But even then, when related to geological history it's a very very small amount of time and that's why we're so worried about it it's also really important to note that it's likely not just animal species that are fundamental to the survival of the planet and our survival but also other life forms like gut bacteria for example is that right exactly and that's definitely right there's so many different species that are affected and that are so critical to just the natural world in general and for our survival as well as other species survival and the fun thing about ecology is that it's all connected um, food webs and trophic levels are so important within an ecosystem and every species has every individual has their own importance to the ecosystem First of all, defining an ecosystem, it's a self-sufficient and enclosed area um, where four things happen that affect species populations, which are em immigration, emigration, birth and death. And all of these animals live off each other within this ecosystem and are connected. So when you take out a particular species, um, it can majorly affect that ecosystem. Um, and that's, for example, like gut bacteria. Within your gut, that's an ecosystem. And so all of the bacteria living in your gut is connected. And when you lose a specific species or bacteria, it can affect the whole ecosystem. From extinction events, let's move to wildlife trade and especially illegal wildlife trade. So um, this is obviously a human-made issue. Why is dealing with illegal wildlife trade so important when thinking about conservation and extinction risks? Illegal wildlife trade makes up a small part of broader environmental crime. Um, 
That includes things like forestry and fishery crime, illegal mining, minerals trafficking, and other things such as hazardous um, waste or dumping, um, and illegal mining, among many other crimes. Annual revenue for some of these crimes are very hard to estimate because figures with this kind of research can be very hard to gain. But data from the World Bank estimates that environmental crime costs one to two trillion dollars and wildlife crime, so wildlife trafficking, makes up 15 to 20 billion of that estimate. So it's a very high reward, low risk crime. Environmental crime is ranked as the fourth most profitable crime after humans, drugs and arms. The reason why illegal wildlife trade is so important is because there are so many environmental threats associated with it. Some of these include threats to biosecurity, such as zoonotic diseases, um, but also the introduction of pest species, which can severely impact ecosystems in foreign countries. These threats can also cause serious biological hazards that threaten not just the environment, but also human society. So these threats in human society can cause increased violence um, and criminal activity, but they can also steal opportunities from communities to generate revenue. And they also impact government coffers by impacting taxes and fees by billions by billions lost to illicit trade. Um, it can also undermine legal commerce and government structures that provide infrastructure, healthcare and education. And so it severely impacts many different communities that help society run. It can also impact rural households and livelihoods that survive on local resources, local natural resources. And in a broader environmental sense, wildlife trade illegal wildlife trade may contribute to unsustainable harvesting of natural resources, which can accelerate climate change through things like desertification, destruction and loss of ecosystems, causing flow and effects, ecosystem collapse, economic instability, and loss of local resources that humans depend on, as well as animals. One of the most trafficked animal is actually the pangolin. What are pangolins for those people who don't know and why are they being trafficked? Good question. Um, so pangolins are kind of like an armadillo, but they're unrelated. They're big scaly anteaters about the size of a house cat or small dog. They are also the only scaled mammal but unfortunately they are the most trafficked animal in the world um, and because of this they're subject to extensive hunting and animal cruelty um, they're only found in africa and asia with eight subspecies four of each found in both regions now the interesting thing about pangolins and more importantly the threat of introducing zoonotic pathogens into different um, areas through illicit trade is that there is a lot of speculation about the origins of COVID-19 and several of those contested origins include the wildlife trade or illegal wildlife trade. You may have heard that COVID-19 originated from the trafficking of bats but there is also speculation about 
the origins of COVID-19 from pangolin scales. There was a study conducted by Traffic that suggested that COVID-19 may have originated from the trading of pangolin scales. And by the sheer amount that this animal was trafficked, it is definitely a possibility that that had, had occurred. You mentioned a study by traffic. What does traffic mean? That's a very good question. Traffic is one of the leading wildlife crime monitoring networks and they're transnational organisation that deal with um, wildlife crime monitoring. And they work with organisations like WWF, Interpol, the UN and other initiatives to help prevent wildlife trafficking or at least reduce it. What are the factors that drive wildlife trafficking? Good question. So there are several motives behind wildlife trafficking, primarily money, because it is a high reward, low risk crime. But the main markets that um, increase demand for these products and essentially drive wildlife trafficking include markets such as those for exotic pet trade, foods that are considered delicacies, animal products such as leather or animal products that may be used for decoration and ornaments. They can also include traditional medicine. So there's lots and lots of different uses for animal products and these are what drive wildlife trade. And the more endangered or rarer species is, the higher the demand, which can lead to the extinction of some species, sadly. Um, so there are many different wildlife products that drive the illicit wildlife trade. WF explores some of them quite thoroughly. Tigers, for example, they're heavily, heavily traded for uses in medicine, um, but their meat can be also considered a food delicacy. Chimpanzees are traded in zoos for medicine and as pets. Um, also plants and rare hardwoods can also be used as furniture and decorative pieces whilst elephant and rhinoceros ivory are heavily trafficked because they're used in medicine or in instruments as decorative products and also as jewelry. Sharks may be traded for exotic foods such as shark fin soup, you may have heard of it. And birds such as parrots and songbirds are highly valued as exotic pets because they sound really nice and they look very pretty. But these are just some, of, some examples of animal products and animals that are trafficked, but there are so many more. Is there a general rule or general direction, like where most of the animals are coming from and where they're going? Life crime occurs throughout the world and it's often undertaken by transnational organised crime networks. A lot of animals can be found in places like South America, Africa and Asia in high biodiversity hotspots. Um, and so species from these areas can be considered exotic and that can increase demand in wildlife trade. There are some studies that highlight the relationship between poverty and high biodiversity hotspots. And this could potentially mean that trafficking occurs more in those areas because there is an association between poverty and wildlife trafficking. And there's a lot of overlap between villages or communities resorting to crime because they have no other option. And there's also a lot of research that explores these relationships relating to poverty and wildlife crime. But there is sadly not enough evidence to suggest that wildlife crime is directly associated with 
high biodiversity hotspots. So more research is needed in that area. I'm sure that most people would have heard that a lot of the conservation issues that have occurred in the past, say rhinos being hunted for their horn, or you mentioned the tigers, um, that a lot of that is related to traditional medical practices. Can you give us a bit of an overview, like what medical practices are we talking about specifically? So a lot of traditional beliefs are rooted in animistic beliefs and a very reciprocal relationship to nature and to land. Um, some of these cultures include Aboriginal Australians and their relationship to their land and also Fijians and Pacific Island Islanders, uh, Fijians with their relationship to the Nua and also Native American people um, with totem, totem animals. And so a lot of cultures have reflected a very strong relationship to, to land and it's very likely that these cultures have used traditional methods of medicine using these resources and that's been the case throughout history throughout the world that we rely on natural resources unrelated to these cultures though the mixing of animistic beliefs with certain beliefs about medicine traditional medicine and associating these animals with specific characteristics drive a lot of markets for wildlife crime the key reason why i say beliefs is when talking in a medical sense related to wildlife crime is because beliefs are not evidence-based like modern medicine, but rather the belief that they, these animals have certain characteristics that can cause or treat this specific condition. So for example, rhinoceros horn in some traditional medicine can be considered to increase libido if you ingest it or use it on the body as a topical lotion, though there's no scientific evidence that, to back up these claims. So a lot of traditional medicine, when related to wildlife crime, is has very little scientific evidence to back it up. And you mentioned the tigers as another heavily traded animal. Where do most of those tigers actually come from? The tigers are both a keystone species and apex predator and they can be found throughout Asia. Sadly they are heavily traded for their pelts, canine teeth, claws, whiskers and bones which are considered a food delicacy in some regions in Asia and their meat as well. So according to WWF on average sadly the bodies or body parts of at least two tigers are seized every week. Sadly, that's the tigers that are seized, let alone the tigers that are actually traded. To put this into perspective, there are only about 4,500 to 5,000 tigers left in the wild. So there's very little. And the majority of tigers alive today, between 5,000 and 7,000, are actually in captivity and potentially also as illegal exotic pets, as well as in zoos and elsewhere. I also heard about that there's actually some tiger farming going on, which sounds really weird in, as a term because you're like, what? A tiger can't be yeah. farmed. But I heard about this in, yeah, in like Southeast Asia and like different countries like that, where they would actually farm the tigers to 
produce those valuable substances. Is that true? Yes, sadly, that is true. And when related to wildlife crime, there are actually a lot of practices in animal farming to increase the, the value and to sell all of these animals. Tiger farming, along with many other animals that have been farmed, is definitely a real issue. And there have been many cases throughout the world, not just in Southeast Asia. There have been a few cases in places where exotic pet trade is also quite prominent. So in some places in the US, there have also been cases of tiger farming. And so it is a very real issue and can impact not just tigers, but also other animals such as parrots and many other animals, especially in exotic pet trade. So the whole illegal trafficking is such a big issue. There are also quite a few organizations that are fighting it. Do you want to tell us a bit about the different people and NGOs that are working on improving the situation? There are so many people in this industry in prevention of wildlife crime to help mitigate it. And it's really quite inspiring, as many people will tell you in this very niche industry. It's very multidisciplinary. So it involves many different skill sets and many different people to come together. And it actually involves a large amount of cooperation in large numbers to mitigate these threats being transnational. So as for people, it involves people such as politicians, NGOs, fundraisers, stakeholders, parks management, wildlife rangers, police officers, which include organisations like Interpol, but also local police, and also criminologists, researchers, science communicators, and the public. So there are so many different people that are so necessary in this field. And it's really inspiring to see that there are so many people out there that care about this. We are all needed to combat wildlife crime. And so there's always roles that are needed in this field. For example, you could look at COVID-19. It happened two years ago, but we are still recovering from it. And that major break in our society is suspected to have been caused by wildlife crime. So now more than ever, we are needed to help work towards preventing or at least reducing wildlife crime and illegal wildlife trade. It's really important work and it's very inspiring to see that so many people are working towards helping to reduce it. This is all this all sounds pretty dire. Are you still optimistic about the future? Yes. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I've been as as an environmental scientist, you can't not be optimistic. The main thing when looking at wildlife crime and environmental science as a whole, as you well know, probably, is the purpose behind it. The reason why so many people work in conservation to conserve and protect these species is that without that effort, these species would likely perish. And so I think I'm very optimistic for the future because there's many like-minded people out there working in conservation and also in the public to continuously help conserve the environment. And I think it's critically important to do so, but I think I'm, I'm very optimistic and inspired by everyone in the industry. I'm really glad you're saying this because, yeah, otherwise what would be the point even talking about it if there isn't hope, right? 
Very true. And for people out there who have been listening to the story and all the facts and who would like to help and contribute to fighting illegal wildlife trafficking, what is it actually that the individual, say, here in Australia can do to yeah, help fight this issue? So there's always things people can do. If you're in the academic world, citizen science can be, citizen science can be really helpful but also reading up on academic papers and translating to them to the public is really helpful as well, rather than looking at sources online. As for the public, you can talk to lots of different NGOs. You can read up on different stories and studies with trusted sources. You can even educate others about different environmental issues in the world and explain to them why it's so necessary, because many people don't actually know the impacts that certain issues such as illegal wildlife trade have on the world. So another thing that people can also do is look out for suspicious activity. So if you look at people who have exotic pets, making sure they have the right licenses and making sure that the animals are well cared for and have their needs met is also important. But also if you're out in the bush, if you love to camp or love to go for a hike in national parks, you could try to be aware of your surroundings. And if you see anything suspicious, Talking to a local ranger can help clear things up. Also reporting that activity to your local parks and wildlife office in your state or territory, um, and also the local police. Crime Stoppers is also a really good resource because they're known to document wildlife crime in Australia, so you can also call them. But if an animal is injured, if you know it to be injured in the process of an environmental crime, uh, alerting a local animal shelter nearby is also really important but do not intervene with the crime at all for public safety. So just looking out for these kinds of activities and reporting them to authorities could be really, really helpful to prevent wildlife crime in the future. We can all do our part. I would say in general, to sum this up, is to, first of all, to care and to be vigilant about what's happening in your environment, in your that might be related to these issues and if there's anything if there's a way that you could point that out and bring that to public attention or the attention of the authorities yeah exactly thank you so much charlotte for telling us all about the really important issue of the wildlife trafficking and the sixth major extinction event i have to say i did learn a lot through what you told us and yeah thanks so much for being my guest on the show Thank you for having me, Katerina. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Boiling Point. We will be back with a new science story next week. Bye for now.